and picking up with chapter two. The big bull drum overtook the thumping in Johnny's chest again, and all those proud fellas in their crisp blue uniforms filed toward the train station. Ladies wept, men hurrahed, and kids ran alongside the ranks, pumping fists in the air and doling out wisdom like, hit those rebels right between the eyes. Johnny wanted to follow that beating drum more than he'd ever wanted anything. Instead, he followed Pop down the dusty road home, kicking up a rock here and there, and muttering nasty words under his breath. Pop stopped, waited. Why the long face, John Joseph? I thought that spectacle would cheer you. I volunteered for the regiment, but the captain laughed at me. Pop's face twisted. You volunteered? Don't be ridiculous. Boy, did that ever get Johnny red. Pop, if you say I can, they'll let me join the army. I'll sign up on one of those 30-day stints. Surely we'll whoop up those rebels in a month's time. I just need you to say I can, and the army will let me in. Pop's face twisted in the opposite direction, from smirk to scowl. John Joseph, you're a child. That's ridiculous. That was the second time he called Johnny that. Ridiculous. Johnny couldn't hold it in. All the anger he'd bottled up over the last couple of months came spewing out. You know what's ridiculous, Pop? You. Working on those trains. Still. After everything. Don't that kind of make you mama's killer? Johnny had barely finished saying it when Pop's open hand flew out and smack landed square on his cheek. It burned hotter than Johnny's anger. Don't you ever say that to me again, John Joseph, Pop hissed. You go to church right now and ask for forgiveness for talking to your father that way. But Pop, now. Pop pointed back downtown in the direction of the church. On your knees, son. Johnny's shoulders fell. He headed toward church. He wasn't about to argue with his pop on this one, but he was nowhere near giving up, neither. Johnny stood across the street from the Catholic church. A small cross sat atop the building. I'm sorry for what I'm about to do, he whispered, but I don't see any other way. Johnny's little brother, Louis, nudged his shoulder. Johnny hated that Louis was already as big as him. What you doing, Louis said. Johnny sighed. He wasn't surprised that Louis and their sister Lizzie showed up, but it would have been a lot easier if they hadn't. Praying. Louis laughed. You need it, from what I hear. Pop sent me and Lizzie to come to church with you. Lizzie bounced on her toes behind Louis. Can I light one of the candles for Mama today, John Joseph? Louis got to do it last time. Johnny knelt on the ground beside her and put his hands on her shoulders. All right, but hey... Johnny swallowed. There was no way he could allow himself to cry right now. No turning back. I'm going swimming in the canal instead, okay? And then he added, don't tell Pop, because he knew then for sure they'd tell. You're going to get in so much trouble, Louis saying. Maybe, Johnny muttered and stood. Go on in, okay? I'll deal with Pop. Later. Lizzie frowned and shook her curls, and it about broke Johnny's heart in half. You're not telling the truth, John Joseph. I'm going to light a candle for you, too. Johnny blinked because he couldn't have tears. That's a good idea, Lizzie. The two headed in through the big wooden doors. Johnny pretended to head to the canal. On the train platform, those awful wheels stood perfectly still. It was the first time Johnny had ever really looked at train wheels. Before the accident, he'd never thought to look. And after, there was no way he'd give them his attention as they whizzed by. 
They were massive, twice Johnny's height at least, each of them inches thick. They joined forces using long, strong iron bars and cogs and bolts. Of course they would crush whatever fell in their path. Horrible, awful nasty things, train wheels. Johnny shuddered, breaking out in a cold sweat. You're such a baby, John Joseph, he told himself. Soldiers ride on trains. A quick glance around the platform told Johnny no one had noticed him. They were too busy weeping and hugging their loved ones to see him at the edge of the station, sweating and swearing to himself. He quickly counted to 13, his lucky number. Counting to 13 was like his own private tempo. Johnny liked that it was an odd number that most people shied away from. He realized after hearing that drum this morning that counting sounded like a drum beat in his head. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13. With slick palms, Johnny grabbed the bars along the side train steps and climbed aboard. He spat down onto the wheel for good measure. The train car was packed with soldiers shuffling baggage, soldiers clapping one another's backs, soldiers leaning out windows to kiss pretty ladies. But weaving through the crowd was a man wearing a black hat with a shiny brass nameplate and an official-looking bow tie, the train conductor. Johnny had to hide in quick, the conductor smiled, thumped a few fellas on their backs, and helped a guy shove his overstuffed knapsack onto the wooden rack overhead. With each movement, he got closer, closer. Johnny's only chance was to stay low. He dove under a nearby seat and lay flat. A soldier sat down just after, and his feet and the feet of the others on the bench hit Johnny well enough. The conductor passed into the next car. All aboard, the conductor shouted. The soldiers stamped their boots on the metal floor of the train as the engine chugged to life. From under the seat, the sound was deafening. The train lurched forward. Every bone in Johnny's body jarred. Where he hid, he was likely right on top of one of those awful, monstrous wheels. Bile crept up his throat. So long, Newark, one of the soldiers yelled. We gotta go nab us some rebs. The soldiers cheered. Johnny counted to 13.